That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome to Bat Force Radio, a Batman slash DC podcast with no limits, home of the trunky wise. We got um, Grandpa Batman over in Texas. Howdy. Fucking Grandpa Batman and smacking hurricanes with his propane tanks out there, man. Fucking oh, shit. Deflecting. We got Bat Force Tom over in sunny California. I'm gonna go get some in and out real quick after <laughs> this. We got Robin Cross up in Canada. Uh, boo. Oh, shit. All right. Batman the Animated Series 25th anniversary, 25 years. That's crazy. Fucking hell, man. Yeah, it makes you feel old. Oh. I heard that was a good show. <laughs> yeah. I was so um, lucky and fortunate. Really lucky to be from a generation that rushed home after school to turn on channel 5 to watch batman the animated series cartoon after school we have the cartoon but for us to have the experience too with that was a huge part of childhood you know the whole package for me well yeah i mean you know i was right there with you because you know i'd get out of school before my parents get off work and we'd we'd had to walk home because we were too young to to drive or if we rode the bus and that was basically our babysitter in the afternoons, you know? Yeah. And, uh, Watching uh, animated series and Animaniacs. Animaniacs, you had uh, Thundercats, Darkwing Duck. The coolest part about um, the animated series for, I think, a lot of people was it was, like, so smack dab right after uh, the Burton stuff was big. Yes, absolutely. And it, it, car- it carries that kind of flavor mm. with the tone. It had the same theme and song, And also too. Danny Elfman intro. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, intro music so it's like it, it was almost like you know you got the hype up from the from the 89 and then it, it built up again from returns and then you come home and you got uh these episodes i think wasn't it coming out like every day they would have an episode it was like every weekday i feel like they would have one and now or at least every like couple every like two two days or three days they'd have one and i remember thinking like this is in dude batman on, and it was like the best batman show i'd ever seen mm. you know because they'd have shows here and there but it was like fucking the best Batman because it was it was very much in the same vein as what was popular at the time with the Tim Burton stuff. So I think, um, but it was much much closer to the comics. Yeah, you know? that's so what it I was love. just kind of that awesome balance. It was nice because um, so it was around the same time as Batman Returns. A lot of people too. It planted the seed for why so many people were drawn to and loved the story of the first two Arkham games. Right, because. Dini just did an like just killer job with just kind of making it like flow from the shows just to the games, you know. So like when you play the games, I remember the first time I ever played Arkham Asylum. I'd heard all the hype and I heard how good it was, but like it was around the time when I was just kind of like, I don't want to do anything Batman related because what if I fucking hate it, you know? So it's very much like I would stay away from comics, certain comics. I would stay away from games, stay away from this or that. But then someone was like, dude, no, play that game. And then I didn't realize that Dini had written it. So then you start playing it, and you're like, holy shit, this is the fucking animated series. Like, you get to play the animated series, basically. It was amazing. The first thing that struck me with the animated series was how dark it was. 
I love it because I guess they would paint the backgrounds black first and then just add red or whatever to it. I think that was the process in the beginning. And it had they, this, they painted it on black paper. Was it on black paper? Yeah. And it, it, mm-hmm. it had this look that no other cartoon have has ever had before. This tone, this mood. Art Deco Noir, which was in the beginning when I was a young kid watching this show after school i actually when i was a kid i was like oh they, they look so blocky and and plain and simple i'm coming off the keaton stuff hyper yeah. detailed realistic though you know so as a kid you're like oh, why does it look so like boxy and flat and, yeah. and simple but you're spoiled and you know no but <laughs> you know what it was brilliant because that style that style of cartooning is timeless it holds up forever as opposed to a lot of things that were drawn in like the 80s, early 90s in that style, it probably wouldn't have hold up today. But that Art Deco animated cartooning style worked and it, it lasted. It standed mm-hmm. the test of time. So that was that was pretty. It's kind of what Gotham is trying to was kind of trying to do that, too. It's kind of like put it in that kind of like um, stylistic tone yeah. to where like it, it doesn't really put you in a certain time period. So that way it could kind of last, which is awesome. Well, that was another thing with, you know, the character design and also, like, you know, the vehicles and the buildings. You didn't know what era it was in, and it didn't matter. It all seemed to flow. And even, like, the the Zeppelin balloons and things like that. And, um, you know. And the the, the cars and everything kind of had that timeless. uh, Right. I love uh yeah the design of uh, the, the Batmobile and the Batwing, excellent and even the um the Bat motorcycle the Bat cycle, where that even has a Art Deco um design to it with the shield over I think the wheel or the side, so it was like it's yeah it was all uniform and uh, Tim knew what he was doing visually like his vision was really good but I was asking you guys earlier about um after watching the Batman Harley Quinn movie I was like why can't we get an, an animated series again what's what's stopping them from just doing an animated series again and i wonder if you think it's hard to get the band back together well like, i think it's i think it's up to warner brothers animation department i mean i think that they one obviously it's probably a, a money situation but they they do so well with these animated movies that maybe there's more money in doing that than doing you know it was probably pretty expensive to to keep up uh, a weekly TV series. And, and it's also pretty daunting to, to put anyone on the task of trying to catch that lightning in a bottle again. You know, the expectations would be so massive for as soon as an episode came out again for a, a, a redone animated series, it would be under such a microscope and just get torn apart unless it was flawless. I don't know. I feel like we've got a lot of animation since then. But nothing has been up to that level. That's that's why. I mean, we get all these other series in the Justice League stuff and the Teen Titans stuff and all the, all this animation we get. Why can't we get like a fucking Gotham animated? Even if it was different, even if it was something new, you know, like but with that same tone, then it would be wildly popular. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't do it because of the Gotham show, TV show. I don't know. That yeah, could be it. I mean, they, it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they. Maybe they're just kind of trying to let everything breathe. Kind of like trying to talk and then Tom interrupts you. You know. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. trying to talk and Everything talk like so that. <laughs> Just trying to get it's a awful. word in it's the age <laughs> Love you, bro. All right, so w- let's let's hear favorite episode from the animated series with each of you guys. Let's start with Robin. Uh, well, my first thought is to say Heart of Ice, but so many people say Heart of Ice. Uh, I'm going to go with Over the Edge. 
that episode starts, you don't know what's going on. It's you know, it nuts, starts with right? that scene in the back cave where Batman and Robin are running through the cave and Gordon and uh, the GCPD are shooting at them. And Gordon's shouting his real name, and it's just nuts. What about uh, old Gramps? Pretty animated. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's probably going to be probably one that is your favorite, so I'll, I'll, pick a, I'll pick a different one because I already know what your favorite is, and I don't want to spoil it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. <laughs> there's, well, two, there's two that I juggle that are... Dude. I actually like the one, it was called, uh, it had a ninja in it. I love ninja <laughs> shit. Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. There was just like this ninja was going around and I mean, I'm kinda going off memory, but it was kinda like Batman and this ninja almost competing in a way because this guy's just about as good as or even better than Batman with, with the stuff he can do. And I think it was like the guy was like someone that Bruce Wayne knew back when he was training to be you know, on his journeys to to develop his skills and stuff. That's all. That's basically all I remember is that it just had like this ninja. You think you're talking that's about it? Daredevil season one? Is what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Gramps. Uh, what about you, Tom? Dude, there's so many the that I can't just pick one. The In and Out episode. <laughs> um, I'm probably gonna. Oh man, the two parters are good. Like, um, oh, shit. I think the Clayface up, the Clayface two parter yeah. was awesome. I really like the Clayface stuff. Um, because I like the character who's basically based off of um Boris Carlo. Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Yeah. So he's so Clayface is based after that dude, which I love. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and those two, So I think those two episodes are awesome with Clayface. I think the I think the second episode of the Two Face two parter was awesome. Yeah, people like that's um, a good ones. Who fine choice, boy, fine choice. Man. But dude, I I love. Uh, I also love the Clock King episode. That's such a good episode, man. Clock King yeah. is so bad. He's like one of the most da- like dangerous villains because of that episode. Like he's just so precise, and Batman couldn't even get him. That's a great episode, man. I also liked any any episode that had Mister Freeze in it. Oh, Freeze. Yeah. Not just you know Heart of Ice, but yeah, you know there was there were some other ones. Was uh. Cameron. Was Ventriloquist Two Face? Was he uh, New Adventures or was he in the original? Original, original. Yeah, I fuck anything Ventriloquist. I loved. I love Ventriloquist. That yeah. nut. He's like fucking blasting that Tommy gun. Such great writing. I remember when um Clayface has Batman trapped in his chest, and he says things like, "I could hear your pulse going down and your heart slowing." Like. That's fucking badass writing, man. Shit like when he's that. trying to suffocate him. Yeah, I'm just like, ooh, this is brutal and vicious and well thought out. You know, you know what I remember? Wasn't that episode, um, prime time on like a Friday night? There was a couple episodes where they, they showed them on a Friday night at prime time. They did do that. And I remember, I think this Clayface one. I remember that. I remember it being dark, and on like a weekend on a Friday night seeing that episode with Clayface and thinking like this is some dark shit for a kids TV show it is on a Friday night what else is so awesome about the TV show is that the success of the show led to the uh, mask of the phantasm in the theaters mm-hmm. which was another thing it's like holy shit they're doing that you know we haven't even talked about the voice cast holy shit yeah they did some good ones man they had a real quick when did you guys realize that Mark Hamill was the Joker? Mm, last year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was pretty surprising because I was like, 
Luke Skywalker is the Joker? What? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I think I was in high school and he did some interview or something or it was something on television where I remember being like, what the fuck? No way. Damn, man. I mean, so many good ones. Good I always juggle the gray ghost and, and almost got him. Uh, I, I really thought you were going to say leather wings. No, I knew you were going to say gray ghost. So I. Grey Ghost is such a brilliant idea, man. Such a brilliant <clears throat> idea. But like Almost Got Him is such so much within like 20 minutes. I think that I think an episode's only like 20 something minutes. But fucking hell, Poldini fit in so many characters in such a good story in that short amount of time. Like Poison Ivy and a Halloween pumpkin patch and Batman dressed up as Croc and Harley Quinn has Catwoman on a belt ready to saw her head off or something or saw and had like so much shit and that was such a classic one. Uh, so I juggled those two, but the, you know the whole damn series is fucking so good. I feel like it's like two a.m. Gotham every time you watch this uh, this show. We were lucky to have it, you know. I always say like, why can't they do it again? But um, we were lucky enough to get something like that in history, you know, a cartoon like that. Because I can't think of any cartoon and, that's and ever that we and, and that we were growing up when it was on. Because every generation after is going to go back and watch that. But back to watching the animated series, there. Yeah, why don't you grow up, pleb? Their cartoons, <laughs> duck. <laughs> trunky. What kind of watches cartoons? Yeah, we all trunk down here. Pleb. Sometimes I put uh, the animated series on at the shop. Like I'll just have it uh, running episodes through the day, and invariably, almost every person that comes in the shop will stop and at least for a couple minutes just stand there and watch some of the episode. Yeah, it is so good. I love how you could hear the difference in Kevin Conroy's voice then and now as well. Oh yeah, it's so cool, and just the way they did things. Like you appreciate it in a whole different way when you're older as opposed to when you're younger and it's just a cartoon to you, you know, so. I never thought there'd be a day when the guy who created most of the shit is on our show talking to us. Yeah, I know. Um, All right, so, Robin, take us through Fan Expo, man. Highlights, all that good stuff. Oh, man, well, this was the probably the biggest lineup they've ever had for Fan Expo uh, as far as uh, comic interests go. Yeah. Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Jim Lee, Tom King, Jason Fabok, just tons and tons of people. It was insane. And uh, Dan DiDio was there. Dan DiDio wasn't announced. He was uh, he, he wasn't uh, in any of the listings or anything. He was just there. And there were a couple times uh, on the first day that I passed by a guy that I thought, is that, is that Dan DiDio? I think that was Dan DiDio. After I saw him like two, three times, I'm pretty sure that was Dan DiDio. And then the first DC panel that I go to, he shows up to be the moderator. So yeah, it was pretty cool to have him just show up. <laughs> but uh, I do want to give, I, I did a post already on the Bat Force to do this, but I want to thank again all the DC guys, uh, Scott, Tom, Greg, Jason, Jim, and Dan. They're all, they go out of their way to be accommodating for us and they're, they just do so much for us. It's fantastic. Uh, they all took good care of me on the weekend, and thanks so much. Uh, I had some uh, some cool panels. Uh, so the first panel that I went to was scheduled to be Scott Snyder, Chad Harden, and Emanuela Lupacino. Yeah. Uh, so it was just uh, it was just called My Secret Origin. So it was just them, you know, going to be talking about their backstories, how they got into comics, and everything. 
But uh, you show up to the panel, and before anybody else even gets there, Dan DiDio shows up with Tom King. So Tom got uh, added on to it. Tom fucking King. And that was kind of the theme for all DC's panels for the weekend, was just adding people in. Yeah. Uh, I think on the Saturday, yeah, on the Saturday, was the Dark Matter panel. So that was scheduled to be... Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and Jeff Lemire, uh, right. because Jeff's going to be doing that Hawkman book that ties into metal. Right. So that panel was scheduled. So uh, Dan DiDio introduces the three of them and then mentions that there will be other people joining it soon. But they get started up, you know, talk to those guys a bit. And then the door opens and he introduces uh, Jason Fabek and Jim Lee. Oh, shit. Balls. So they just got into so much stuff. They talked about the things that are coming during metal from all of the one shots and the tie-ins that are coming up, and then all of these series that are coming up after metal completes. My oh, uh, products of metal. So like, yeah, tell us about Dark Matter. Like, what's the Dark Matter deal? Well, Dark Matter is everything to do with uh, with metal. So uh, dark days, dark nights, and everything that comes after metal ends mm. so so they showed lots of little preview pages and things like that creating new characters then right That's yeah absolutely and uh, creating new characters and bringing back old characters like how how they brought back uh, the blackhawks and uh challenges of the unknown mm-hmm. there are going to be more characters that are coming back and jim lee's getting in on uh, a couple of new series and jim showed uh cover art for you know the the fold out covers that we get a lot where you know you'll fold out the front cover and then to another page and then that with the back page creates like a three page uh picture so jim has done one for an issue that will actually be a vertical fold out so when you open the book a page flips out to the top and another one flips out to the bottom to make a tall image so when they showed that picture, uh, Greg Capullo cut in and just said, so basically Jim Lee told the 90s, hold my beer. <laughs> I love Greg, man. That's awesome. Jim Lee did a fold-out for uh, Superman and Chain number one as well. You remember that? Like how it folded out from the cover. It, like, it ended up being like a poster. Yeah, it was cool, yeah. though. It was really cool. But uh, He did that for All-Star Batman, too, as well. He loves them fold-outs. And... So the one question I have is, and maybe we've already – answered this and discussed it before but so all the metal storyline you know it's it's running in the canon kind timeline for you know all the characters of dc but is it also going to be connected to like the doomsday clock for jeff john's story coming later on this year uh that's a good question i don't know if they'll mention it per se but uh, yeah, it's, I, I'm sure in, we'll see some effects of it happening because yeah, this is all running in canon. A lot of the books uh, are going to get tie-in issues to metal, and everything that's happening in metal, particularly you see in issue two. Because it's uh, almost like it's almost like DC has got two big events going on right now. It's almost like they've got they're still got the the rebirth and the repercussions for that going on. And then they got metal, and they're all kind of mixing them together. And I'm hoping that, you know, out of it, Jeff John's story just kind of, you know, clears all that up, you know, 
Well, uh, you keep in mind that metal will still be running when Doomsday Clock begins, because Doomsday Clock just starts in uh, November. Right. So they'll wow. they'll both be running at the same time for a little bit. Uh, you see an issue two of metal that the events of metal, you know, the stuff happening with Batman, has roots going back to the beginning of uh, the new Fifty Two Batman issues. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it definitely ties everything in together. Uh, it is something I might be interested in. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I love I love how the cover of of Metal Two kind of mirrors the Rebirth. Yeah. Cover. Yeah, it's very cool. That's it. I gotta look. I gotta look. Oh, I gotta check that yeah. out. Uh, I gotta I gotta read the new one. Shout out to DC, who we work with closely now uh, via publishing, which is pretty cool. Nice step for the Bat Force. We're uh, very proud to work with DC now. And to probably start books. reviewing more. Probably start reviewing more comics in the show. I guess. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> I what guess we, they're gonna send him to us. We better do that. Yeah, we have to do that now, which is kind of cool because um, I don't mind reading a bunch of comics every week. Comics. They're not that cheap, so it's like, like I'm careful about you know specific in terms of what I buy. But to be able to review all the new ones out through DC now for them is is pretty cool. Like, it's, it's like a buffet. Like you don't go to a buffet just pick and choose here. Now you take everything in the buffet, and what you don't <laughs> like, you just you fucking throw it on the ground, and someone comes up and cleans it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. No, this this is this is on topic, but not for the episode really. Gamic. It's just for us. Uh, it, the one cool thing uh, being around Scott at the Connell weekend is, I would see you know sometimes him or Tom King etc. Just you know walking around you know they're on their way here and there and they'll you know they'll stop and chat. And the cool thing with Scott is like when he introduces you to somebody, he's like, oh, oh do you know Robin? He's from the Bat Force. He works with us. Yep, that's the <laughs> he just, fucking he just, amazing. He just he just said that I work with him. <laughs> hey, Robin, did you scale oh. the CN Tower with the DC lineup? <laughs> that's fucking uh, nuts, by the way. That they that's so cool that they did that. Like, well, yeah, what what they do? It's it's not technically scaling it. That would be really awesome. But uh, yeah, they take them up uh, into the the level that people go to. You know, the observation level, and then they take you out on the roof of it and put a harness on you. And have you just, you know, walk around out on the edge? And uh, <laughs> Scott was telling the story. Uh, so as they're taking everyone out there, because like Jim Lee goes like skydiving and stuff like that. So you know, this is all just normal for him. <laughs> so uh, they get up there, and everyone else is nervous, you know, because they're miles up in the air, and Jim Lee's just sitting there texting. <laughs> and then uh, they're instructing everyone that uh, you know, so they say, so when you step out, we want you to just go up to the edge and just. Just dangle your toes off the edge until you get comfortable with it. <laughs> so Jim Lee walks out there, just puts one foot right on the edge and does a Superman pose over the edge. <laughs> where is this? Uh, the CN Tower in Toronto. It's right beside where the uh, convention center is. Yeah, so I've, I've been on the CN Tower before um, in Toronto. It's one of the tallest man-made structures in the world. Yeah, and, for for a while when it was built, it was the tallest. Yeah, and when you go up in the elevator, it's all clear and glass, and the elevator's so smooth and seamless, and you're just you're going so fucking high, it doesn't even yeah. feel real. You're just looking at the earth leave you, you know. And, <laughs> and the elevator goes up so fast and so high that your ears pop, like when you're in a plane. Fucking nuts! And then you you're so high in the you're so high in the air. That you could feel the shaking and the vibrating because of the wind and the movement. 
Yeah, uh, I I forget what the statistic is. It's something like I I think it sways. It's either four or six feet to either side <laughs> when it's blowing in the wind. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and you then you have Tom King fucking scale out. <laughs> Tom, Tom Tom didn't like it. Tom wasn't a fan. <laughs> I could tell Tom didn't like it. <laughs> uh, Where was Greg yeah, was Capullo? Talking. That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, had, Greg was having nothing to do with it. He said, why do I want to go up there and walk on the edge of the tower when I can be on the ground watching TV and kissing my wife? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he has asthma too, so he probably wanted no part of that. I don't blame him. I wouldn't do it either. Yeah, you would, Graham. If hey, the Bat Force is going to do it one day, don't worry. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> Tom's going to be doing the Superman. <laughs> well, they, they did it. You could see in the picture, they did it in the middle of the night. And... Uh, I told Tom that, well, next year you guys got to do it during the day because yeah, it's a different – you can actually see the city and everything. You could see and how set. far you have to fall to your death. <laughs> <laughs> he, he told me to shut up and not tell anyone that idea, so I promptly told Scott that uh, he had to make Tom do it during the day. What if we we all have to get the trunkler up there like, Dad, duck quite high up here. Look at all them plebs down there. They look like ant plebs, duck. When you went there, did you uh, stand on the glass floor? Yeah. It's fucking, yeah. it's so surreal. It's, yeah. it's crazy. You can't even, you can't believe you're up that high and you're looking down. <laughs> it's just fucking nuts, man. You gotta do it to, to understand how like surreal it is because you're so high and there's just glass and it's not like a, a building. You know, where you have to work, you know, move to a, a ledge and you can feel it's like this tiny uh, area that you go in and you, you just you could you could understand how high you are from the ground. It's pretty cool. Shout out to DC showing the cojones, though. Dan DeDio was there, too, right? Doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Dan was up there for sure. Dan DeDio was like, oh, yeah, take this, Jeff Johns. Let's see you do this. So this whole thing, uh, the whole tower walk was Scott's idea. <laughs> so they're they're like you know Scott got it set up and everything talked everybody into going except for Greg, and uh, then uh, they're out for dinner before they go and before leaving to go do it, uh, Scott decides you know just to you know bolster his courage he's gonna do a couple shots, so he takes a couple shots before they leave and then then they go off to the tower, and when they meet you at the base to go up for it they do a breathalyzer on everyone. So, so Scott was afraid that, uh, you know, not only is he going to not be able to go up and do this thing that he set up, but he's also going to be deemed drunk in front of his bosses. But uh, he, he ended up making it okay and got to go up. But uh, everyone was exhausted the next day because after doing that, uh, Jim Lee uh, talked all the guys into going for noodles at 2 a.m., so they were all out till about four, and you could tell the next day. I love the professional nerds. They they can never like hold their shit, and they're all shot the next day. Happens all the time. Except Greg's a veteran nowadays, so he it's knows how like, to. It's it's like nerd camp. They nerd all get camp. together and they just get to yeah, hang S out, man. Snyder always does that, dude. You know who's bad too is Azarello. He, <laughs> yo, that guy. <laughs> You don't give a fuck either. Funny. Yeah, man. So yeah, any, any other highlights from Fan Expo there? Uh... Uh, that Dark Matter panel. You know how Scott is when he's uh, when he's talking about stories. He's as big a fan of stuff as we are, so he spoiled all kinds of things. Yeah. You know what? I like the dark elements. To, I, I like this dark shit. This, like, Hellraiser Cenobite shit they got going on, too. Yeah. And I love this stuff. 
for someone like me, it's 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 like peanut butter and jelly. People who are, you know, I guess people are not into that kind of stuff might complain a little bit. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving this whole dark theme to the Batman and like Justice League universe. I like I like that it makes you go back and read some of the stuff that um, you kind of have to know for it all to kind of fall in place and make sense. I like the Morrison stuff, right? Like, <clears throat> yeah, the Morrison stuff. Um, I'm definitely gonna go back and read like Time in the Batman and some of the R.I.P. Oh, stuff, you know, because it kind of touches on all that, yeah, which is man. cool. So, and um, for sure, man. Also, uh, the man, uh, the man who laughs, I'm looking really forward. Oh, real quick, can we just talk really quick about White Knight? Oh my yes. God, um, so he, good. He just sent the first one to the the PDF to the publisher, Sean Murphy. For some reason, I'm looking so forward to Sean Murphy's Batman book. For some, I think it's because of the art. Yeah, no shit. Sean Murphy. He told me that um, he loves drawing cars and boats. So. I think he's going to let it rip in this one, like, with all the vehicles and stuff. I like drawing conclusions myself, but... Kamics. <laughs> Kamics. Did did that Batman the Animated Series um jail pack come out? The five? Yep. Yep, that came out yesterday. Fuck. And then, oh, Jesus, did they do a good job on it. It looks so good in person, like, the jail itself. Yeah. It is so well made. What's the jail made of? Is it cardboard? It's yeah, but it's like thick cardboard, right. and it comes like packed with like styrofoam in like you know the open parts of it and everything, and it's uh, like wrapped in plastic, yeah. like sh- like shrink wrapped in plastic, and it it looks so good, and it is sturdy. It's like a buck seventy five, right? One hundred seventy five American. Uh, that's the listed retail, but uh, yeah, it's lower online. So yeah, did you walk yeah. around like the the floor to see like? exhibits and stuff like that i mean did they have uh, yeah i i spent most of my time in artist alley you know picking up uh prints and stuff from fabric uh so i've got uh on michael cho i've got that uh, print for you from cho oh yeah uh, thank you got a couple fabric prints for legends and trunkler but uh, yeah i spent most of my time there uh you know getting prints and talking to the guys and then going around comic vendors grabbing books and shit but uh, I got out into the exhibit parts a little bit. wasn't really my thing. The, the first day I did go out to see the IT bus. Oh, so really? This, uh, yeah, this uh, school bus that you go in, and uh, it, they do this uh, VR thing, you know, uh, about the movie. It's called Float. Did you but, did uh, it? You, did you do the... I, I, I didn't go into it. A couple friends did. But uh, there was, it was always a line, and it was a line to get in and sign up for a time to do it. Yeah, and you know, you know how fast days go at cons. I was like, eh, I, I'm not gonna, you know, spend two hours to get into this thing when I got this panel coming up. Two hours, damn, that's that's a long way. I, I to do it, but yeah, it's it's a lot of time to sink into doing something like that. Well, so, hmm. well speaking of it, <laughs> man, yeah, I just um, so I just saw the movie, it, by um. Andy Machete a couple of hours ago actually and uh yeah I, I tell us thoughts what <laughs> I um I I'd recommend it to anybody except for small children because <laughs> it, it's just <laughs> a damn good movie in general um if you're I'm an old school fan of the book and the old miniseries since I was a kid and to see this in modern day just blew my mind it really resonated it, really, it stays with you afterwards 
Yeah, just just see for yourself. You know, obviously you heard all the kids did an amazing job. Child actors, some of these kids are so fucking good, man. And the Bill Skarsgård is Pennywise, the dancing clown, which is the form of it, which uh, is like this evil being, the evil demonic being that takes on the form of, every, of these young kids' worst nightmares and feeds on them and their fears. Uh, this dude was just amazing, man. Um, fucking hell, modern day... Like with CGI and all this new technology, what they could do, and you know, compared to what we, what we see, 1990 miniseries, you know, it's like, it's like Photoshop version one, you know, compared to this. But uh, yeah, I, w I would recommend this movie to anyone other than little children, just for it being a good movie in general, uh, especially if you like all the 80s stuff, like Goonies, E.T., Monster Squad. This had that feel to it as well. Be true to the novel, which was really awesome, especially with the R rating. And two hours and 15 minutes of, like, edgy or steep, like, storytelling. I can't really say much, obviously, without spoilers. It, this movie stays with you, man. This is a really amazing movie. And it's only the first half, because the, the novel's broken up into two parts, when they're kids and when they're adults. So, I think production for the second half starts early next year, but, um... Oh, there's gonna be a sequel? Well, it's not... Technically, it's not a sequel. It's, like, the second half. Because it, the, the story's oh. broken up between when they're children... And then 27 mm. years later, when it comes back and they're grown-ups and they actually go back to the town to try to finish the job. With okay, I was wondering how they were going to do that. I didn't know that there was going to be a second part. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot to it because he, he figured out how to fit in a lot within these two hours and 15 minutes with everything. A lot of storytelling because the book is like 1,200, 1,300 pages long. So yeah. They really figured out how to do it. Notable mention is the kid who played Henry Bowers, the school bully. And this man, he was so intense. Like, wow. Casting was amazing for this movie. Uh, the effects, the acting, the panning, the cinematography. I really can't think of anything to, like, any, like, gropes or complaints or cons with it, which is kind of weird. Like, usually one will come up right away because you're just being critical, but it was just a, a damn good movie. It, it didn't... It gave me jump scares, and it's a little disturbing. It didn't, like, scare the shit out of me in general. It might scare the shit out of other people. It depends on what you're scared of. But um, there are parts that are just like deeply, the way they do it, the dialogue and the visuals and the movement, that it, it's kind of disturbing and haunting and it stays with you, which I really think is really effective for modern day horror. Uh, it's not, you know, as opposed to like cookie cut horror with all the, like the Connecticut haunting shit you see all the time. Oh, for the record, I know a lot, a lot of uh, nincompoops have been saying that, uh, ooh, it borrows from Stranger Things. When just to clear the record, when a production started. The guy who did True Detective was in development to direct it. And, you know, not too long before they started shooting, he dropped out due to creative differences. I think he wanted to put, like, this heavy-duty scene from the novel in the movie, which was the scene when, like, I think all oh. six all six boys sleep with Beverly, the girl. Like, they all have, like, this orgy in the sewers or whatever, like a rite of passage. And, you know, they weren't really about that. It never fit in the novel anyway, even I'll say it just never fit, so... I think that's the reason he dropped out. And then Hollywood was tracking this movie. All the filmmakers were tracking this movie because it resonates with a lot of that old generation. So I think they're called the Duffer Brothers audition yeah. to direct it. They really, really wanted to direct it. But Warner's turned them down. I guess they didn't feel their vision. So they went on to do Stranger Things. And Stranger Things is a series that pretty much takes things out of Stephen King's It novel, E.T., Stand By Me, Goonies, Monster Squad, you know, all these all these great movies. So that's why everybody loves Stranger Things so much, including myself, is because it's a hodgepodge of all these 
great movies that we grew up with. So um, when people say, you know, it borrows some Stranger Things, really the other way around, Stranger Things took from it, but it just, in 2017, it came out after Stranger Things, so it seems that way, but it's really the opposite. The guy who plays Bill, it was really good, but I don't think he did a better, I, I, I don't think he outshined Jonathan Brandis? Brandis. Right. Yeah. Who, um, he was the guy who originally played Bill in um, the nineteen ninety miniseries, and, and he was in a couple of other movies. He was really popular at that time, and and the, he committed suicide in tw- tw- two thousand and three, I believe. But uh, Jonathan Brandis was an amazing fucking child actor. Like the way this guy conveyed emotion was just unbelievable. So, but n- nothing against the kid who's playing Bill now. Who did a great job as well. The only thing that that would be scarier than Pennywise, obviously, would be Trunky Wise, the Trunkler. Because uh, <laughs> they'll make you float like uh, shit in a fifth floor bathroom toilet there, boy. Domo or Agacho, Tom? No, no, no. Whoa. Sounds like an 80s synthesizer song. <laughs> what the fuck? We got, we got Tom's, Max Headroom. Uh, yeah, I'm still in the 80s. <laughs> He's like transmitting from the 80s. He's on in and out Wi-Fi right now. Oh, yo, yo, yo. Can, For real, he yeah. is like in, then out. You, yeah. you ever change your like Wi Fi yeah. ID to fuck off my Wi Fi or anything like that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw a meme where it, one of them said, I got you, bruh. <laughs> and it was somebody figured out how to get into my Wi Fi. I think it's the fucking geriatrics to the left of me <laughs> or the fucking 50 year old virgin to the right of me. Who knows? Hey, Gotham dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now. And subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.